Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Take talk with you anywhere with the all-new Talk 1370 app. Listen to your favorite shows. Keep up with the latest breaking news and more. Search for Talk 1370 in the App Store or find the links at Talk1370.com. It's anywhere I need. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill. Les Kaiser and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are fired up. We've got a fantastic show. This is John Massengill sitting here with Les Kaiser. How's howdy, it going, Les? Howdy, howdy, Jonathan Green's got the week off, but we have so much going on. We are ecstatic. I'm gonna let me run down what all we've got because we've got really probably the biggest thing we're going to talk about is young American drivers doing it's an all-American show. Yep, doing great on the world stage. Well, so, okay, we'll talk MotoGP briefly, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of MotoGP, uh, American Joe Roberts, what a phenomenal... Hey, you know, we first met Joe about three years ago, and it was great to see this guy coming up. And you just knew it. If you met him and you saw him, you knew something big's coming. Well, Joe Roberts had probably the drive, the ride of the weekend in MotoGP in the Moto2 class. And so we've got uh, some clips from an interview we did with him. We also have LMP2 world champion, 24-hour Le Mans winner, Gustavo Menezes, we have an interview with him that we just did about an hour ago. Jonathan actually did that one, so we'll have that one here in a few minutes. And we also have two young Americans racing in the Formula 4 U.S. Championship. And if you're not familiar with this championship, we're going to talk a lot about it tonight, what it's all about. It's a road to either Formula 1 or other open-wheel series. And we've got two gentlemen that are 17 and 18 years old. One of them is going to be with us live. Kyle Kirkwood is going to be with us here in about 30 minutes. And also a Texan, Jacob Loomis. We did an interview with him during the week. We got that's right. We got we got the clips from that, and we also here in just a couple of minutes, we've got the Pirelli World Challenge President and CEO Greg Gill. LFA. Yeah, that's right. The big man, the boss man, and uh, all all of this is coming to Circuit of the Americas Pirelli World Challenge, and then of course the Formula F four Championship is coming twice. At WEC World Endurance Championship and at the Lone Star Le Mans and hey, at Formula One. You know, I enjoy our summer break, but I'm ready to get back at it with the rest of this racing season here. Man, today's show does not feel like a summer break. There's so much going on, and that's we're right. really, I mean, we're really excited because, uh, and and especially uh, about all these young Americans. And so, but let's uh, let's go ahead and jump in. We have our first guest. Guest, we have Greg Gill, who is the the uh, CEO of the Pirelli World Challenge, and I uh, want to welcome him back to the show. Welcome back, Greg. Good to be here, guys. How are you tonight? Uh, we are doing great. How are you doing? Awesome, thanks. Well, we're like pretty excited. It's, it's time to go racing. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Summer break is over. Let's, let's, uh, let's get rolling. But, yeah, we're excited because the Pirelli World Challenge is coming back to Circuit of the Americas. But correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, this is the first time they've come as a freestanding uh, event by themselves? 
you know, it actually is the third time as a headliner by ourselves, uh, but that huh. is the first time in this kind of odd uh, blazing heat uh, break that we've taken here in September. Uh, but we're excited because we will go back to our normal March date. Uh, that's top secret. Pretend I didn't tell you all on the radio. Uh, just amongst us gonna, friends. Uh, exactly. We have not released our 2018 schedule yet, but there's a strong rumor uh, <laughs> that uh, we'll be we'll be back in the last weekend of March. But again, you didn't hear that from me. Let's just say, and all the everybody on the radio now, just ignore that. Uh, uh, that we'll be back. We'll find somebody that can officially speak for PwC. But <laughs> exactly, folks, exactly. Tom Latler does an excellent job. Our <laughs> head of media, he's really good at this stuff. Oh yeah. Tom's excellent. Folks, you know, remember, Pirelli World Challenge is one of the series that I love because it's all of the cars you recognize. I mean, maybe you even drove one of them to the track out there for the racing event, which means you got to come down into the paddock. You get up close to the garages. You see those cars in their race stance. Uh, you've got all the vendors. you got the teams. You get to meet all these folks and hear more about the engineering of your car and what they do to it to put it on the track. You can't miss. I'll tell you what, we sure appreciate it, and that's what's great. And we love our Texas fans. Uh, obviously, guys, I moved down after the opening lap at Coda in 2012, <laughs> took one look at Austin and, mo and moved my family and everybody down just because of the track, because of Texas people and hospitality, uh, and I love it. And I love having this event here. And like you say, we're coming literally with the entire show. So our touring cars, uh, which is everything from, you know, Audis to uh, a plethora of BMWs, et cetera, uh, and very much in street-looking trim and very recognizable right up through the gt3 cars which are your ferraris bmws acura nsx uh, i think at last count we have 24 uh different makes and models that are running in the series more than any gt series in the world well it is it is really exciting to watch this and like you both of you guys have said all the street cars that we all know and love and that's what's so fun about it and you'll see Really, there's just as good a car show in the parking lot because everybody who has <laughs> who has any of these cars, they're out in the parking lot and there's all the corrals. It is uh, it's a phenomenal fan event and one of the best that it comes to Circuit of the Americas for looking at at cool sports cars. Hey, and by the way, Greg's giving us the hookup. If your kids are 12 and under, it's free admission with an adult. Bring the whole family. This is a great time to. Get out, get that total open access, and like I said, bring the kids because you can afford it when the 12 and unders are free. And we're even bringing a bounce house for them this year, uh, <laughs> doing some fun stuff and, and just making sure they have a good time and putting on a little bit of uh, multiple car corrals, like you guys say, uh, out in Lot B. But we're also doing a couple of kind of VIP cool things inside with some cars that you just have not seen anywhere else like a uh, a, a viper powered you know 34 ford and uh, a slammed cadillac oh. that's uh, gotten some notoriety up north around dallas and just some fun stuff just get people more of a happening some of our friends over at winding road and others said you know we'd love to see more things that showcase the cool cars in texas besides the sports cars we all know and love so we're going to bring that out and give just the more fan enjoyment but like you guys have done such an excellent job at, at, at live streaming and broadcasting from there and we hope we'll get you there again uh, we appreciate the local fans so much and i think when you mentioned the theme tonight about the american drivers uh we're seeing you know not only alec udell who podium last weekend uh obviously houston native uh he's doing well in our gt3 uh, category samantha tan running very well she's from out in, uh well actually north 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 of all of us but uh still another young up-and-coming college student just a great young talent uh and just a whole heck of a lot of others that are running ernie francis jr these are 
are all kids uh, that are, you know, North American, under 25, uh, and doing well. And then from south of the border and living in El Paso, Jorge de la Torre uh, will be there running in and spend X with his uh, Aston again. And so that is a great uh, involvement for us also. So we, we love having the young drivers and giving that development opportunity, besides all the pros and great sports car legends like Patrick Long and, and Johnny O'Connell. Yeah, well, Greg, talk a little bit about the schedule for the weekend. How does it lay out? So we're looking at, because we have, this is really a bonus for the fans this year, we've got a third Sprint X round. So not only do we have the touring car rounds that run two, GTS rounds that run two, so there's four races. Now you have your GT3 Sprint X races running on the weekend. You have uh, you have six races, pardon me, five races of those. So you've just got nonstop racing, and we're supporting the series with our friends from Radical with their cars, and oh, yeah. with the GT Cup Porsche cars are also out too from competent motorsports uh they'll be out with a field of close to 30 cars so we've we've i hate to use the words like everybody says non-stop racing but i can tell you from looking at the schedule and from our friends at coda uh literally from eight in the morning to six at night or actually almost eight o'clock at night friday night uh we're racing and uh and that's how we'll how we'll be running and we'll have the schedule up uh both at our website and at coda's uh this next week Awesome. Well, if you want to get tickets, you can go to circuitoftheamericas.com. It looks like Saturday tickets are 29 bucks, Sunday $29 for a two-day pass, 50 bucks. Greg Gill, Pirelli World Challenge, thank you so much for coming back on Speed City. And, of course, we'll see you out there that weekend. Excellent. Thanks so much. Best to you guys. And travel right. safe, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, man, that's going to be awesome. Oh, I Again. love that weekend. It's every, Like I said, it's everything you passed on the way out to the track on the street. Well, here it is in race trim, ready to go. Yep. All right, well, we're going to go and take our first break quickly, and when we come back, we're going to talk about MotoGP and the Formula 4 Championship. I have a little clip from Joe Roberts, who had a phenomenal, maybe one of the best debuts in MotoGP, Moto2 class ever. So we're going to talk all about that after the break. Need somebody to love. Someone to love. Someone to love. Sweetheart to miss. Sweetheart to miss. Sugar to kiss. Sugar to kiss. If you've ridden motorcycles in this part of the country for long, no doubt you know of Bud's Motorcycle Shop. Bud left this world a while back, but his legendary Harley service rides on. No longer is Bud's in downtown Austin. It is now Ravel's Heavy Duty, and they've moved out by the Formula One track. You'll see all the familiar faces, so bring in your new, used, and abused, but there's no sign of shiny showroom prices. So check it out at RavelsHeavyDuty.com. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. The Racetrack. It's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. 
Keep up with the latest headlines from Austin and beyond on the all-new Talk1370.com. Stay informed with the latest news, weather, contests, and more. It's all just a click away at Talk1370.com. Just one more way to stay connected with Talk 1370. Ed Brown, Extreme Speed Motorsports, number 30 in the WC, number 02 in the Tudor, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. We're pretty excited because we've got a bunch of young American riders and drivers on the show. But I want to talk first, and we'll play some clips from Joe Roberts because Moto2, we, uh, the race this weekend was pretty cool. because All the racing was really good just because we had the summer break and you had a little rain thrown in there. So you had some wet and dry. So the weekend was good. And, of course, Marquez come, came out on top. Really was, you know, that was a very interesting race. You know, well, let's talk about GP right quick. So it started off, and all of it, you know, it started off as a wet race, and so, uh, but just a couple of laps into it, Marquez rolled the dice, swapped bikes, jumped out, and he took off. He probably had at least one, maybe two laps on most of the guys, and considerably more on others. That set the tone for the rest of the race. Everybody else lagged behind, he stretched out, and he made a run for the front. It was really, really just fantastic to see him taking off, but it got boring, to be quite honest. I enjoyed uh, looking back further into the cr- the field with uh, Rossi. But, uh, hey, Moto2, Joe Roberts, this was awesome. I'm going to tell you another place you can see it if you're not catching on BN Sport. Check out Red Bull TV. You can get that on your Apple device or whatever. But uh, fantastic race. Joe starts off at the very back of the field. I mean, there's like two people more behind, behind him. I second. He was 29th out of 30. Yeah, 29th. And he marches through six laps into the race. A downpour happens. They red flag the race. They stop everybody. They finally get a cleared run again. They run the last six laps. Joe chips away, consistently passing somebody on every single lap, makes it all the way up to the 10th place. This is his first time on this bike and now Berno is one of his favorite tracks. It's where he won his first 600 race. So he knows the track. He loves it. And it really came out well. This is a complicated track, in fact. I mean, with all the turns, but what even more so is you've got an elevation change of about 230 feet over the course of this track. A lot to deal with, especially in the rain. Yeah, you know, you said he started 29th. And when they restarted the race with six laps to go, he was still 29th. So he made up all of those 19 places in those six laps. It was really fun to watch those when his number was just clicking up the, the leaderboard. And I, unfortunately, the, you know, the world feed is not going to give that much coverage. They might have if they had realized what was going on because it was a great story. I mean, I, I, it may have been, it was definitely the ride of the, of the weekend for Moto2. And I don't know, maybe for the weekend too. It was really amazing. Absolutely. I might be biased, but that was the best ride of the weekend well and of course the rest of the race was awesome as well and the, the rest of the weekend and with moto gp because you know you had uh, marquez uh his restart i mean his bike swap was really accidental right and the, the tires that he chose were really not what he wanted to run and so with what i think in the second lap he swapped to the slicks and never looked back that's right. You know, he didn't. He really took off, and, you know, the whole thing started out great. He had all three colors on the, on the uh, front row to begin with, but it shuffled, and things got really hairy through the rain and the bike changes and things. I mean, there were situations, one of the bike riders, I forget who it was, came in. Their bike was not ready. 
And so, uh, but to wrap up, give you uh, Mark Marquez on first, Pedrosa second, Vinales third, Rossi made it all the way back up to fourth through an ugly pit series. Uh, Crutchlow on fifth, and Dovey took sixth. So uh, congrats, everybody. Awesome turnout. Fantastic race. Be sure and watch that if you haven't yet. Yeah, do you see the uh, Iannone crash in the pit lane? It looked like uh, Alex Aspargo uh, pulled right out right in front of me. He didn't have any place to go. He did, and, you know, he went down, you know, jammed on the front brake to avoid an absolute collision. The front tire went out from under and he laid down. Luckily, nobody was injured. Nobody got hit by the bike coming in. He was able to uh, roll over and run up and jump right on his bike and take out. Yeah, it was a good battle between Petrucci and Espargo for third place, too. A couple of the stories like uh, Pedroso. He made his way through the field in the latter stage of the race to, to give Yamaha a 1-2. That was awesome. And uh, But you know what? We've been talking about Joe. We interviewed Joe Roberts last week, and we put it out as a podcast because, look, we got an American going back into you know the world championships in Moto2. coming up. And so he was a little... Little nervous, wasn't sure how well he was going to do, and uh, and Jonathan interviewed him, and we've got a couple of clips. You know, I, I met him uh, two years ago now at the Texas Tornado Boot Camp, Collins Place, and I will say he was a very humble guy, very uh, methodical, well spoken, and uh, I will say he he wasn't like an ego, you know, egotistical young kid, which it could be easy to be with that kind of talent. He was great. He uh, it really showed well. Great. Well, let's hear a couple of clips. Let's let's play this first one. This is Joe Roberts on uh, on the opportunity to go to Moto Two. The opportunity came for me to to do the next five rounds at the world level, and I figured I'll probably learn some more if I go and ride with some really good riders. So yeah, it's it's amazing to get this opportunity, you know, because I've wanted this ever since I was a little kid to to race in the you know the world level of Moto GP and. I mean, it's the start, and everybody starts somewhere, so I'm really, really excited to, to go to Bruno, which is actually one of my, my favorite tracks on the calendar and where I won my Red Bull Rookies Cup race, so it's kind of special to go there and have my debut be there. Yeah, so, you know, isn't that cool? That was the first place he really hit big before, and here he is back in Moto2 doing the same thing. Yeah, and we've got the we've got a full interview with... Joe Roberts up on our SoundCloud account, and we'll tweet and Facebook out that right now. But here's one more clip from Joe Roberts. I want to play this one because this is getting a little specific about the transition to Moto2 because he's been doing Moto America, obviously, but he's also been in the Spanish World Championship, and that's what he's going to refer to and the and the different motorcycles and the similarity, actually, of the motorcycles because the same team that he's racing in Moto2 races in the Spanish World Championship. So let's hear Joe Roberts again on the transition to Moto2. Well, that's the great thing about the the national championship here is they basically just use last year's Moto2 uh, World Championship bikes. And the team I'm racing, AGR, actually is a World Championship team. It's it's a super easy transition for me to go. Well, I say easy. I'm going to one of the hardest championships in the world. Basically, it's an easy transition for me to go from this, my European team, to the world level team because it's mostly the same guys. And uh, the bike is, you know, I've heard Calix, you know, they come out with a, a new bike every year, but, you know, some riders use last year's bike and they, you know, win races. So the bikes are really not different. Um, the tires are the same. Yeah, so it's, it's, I've been basically practicing on this bike, um, had the chance to, to get a feel for it before I go to the world level. So it's been great. Well, this was just so much fun. You know, honestly, Les, I got up and I didn't uh, watch Moto2 live. And so I, I I started to play it and I thought, 
I'm going to watch for Joe Roberts, you know, and you know how when they first start playing and start playing the Moto 2 show, you you only get like the first top 20 riders and sure. he wasn't there. And I was just like, oh man, I wish he could, you know, do something. And when he started climbing, I was like, I was jumping up and down, trying not to wake up the entire house and really exciting to have an American. So we're going to follow Joe Roberts. We're going to try to get another interview with him this week. And so we're going to be following an American in the world championship and so stick with us this season. So we're going to, he's got these last five races. So he's going to be, uh, he's going to be fun to watch, but so we're going to transition. Now we're going to talk about another, uh, another young Americans, a couple of them, actually, we're going to have one of them live on the show here in about 10 minutes, but we're talking about the, the uh, F4 us championship and just a little background on this. Uh, in, in 2014, the FIA launched formula four was to it was to create a a a place for young race car drivers around the world to take the first steps from like karting and other other series like that into world into open wheel racing and so this is a worldwide effort and so the united states in in, uh, in the usa the scca pro racing we all heard of that over the years right well in in uh, 2015 they teamed up with the fia to create the formula four united states championship so these guys are really on the ladder to go to Formula One as, you know, potentially as high as Formula One and, and any other open wheel series. So the inaugural season for this new championship was 2016, last year. So there's a total of 19 drivers and nine teams. And it was, uh, so last year we started up. And so this year uh, we've got these guys coming to Austin, to coming to Circuit of the Americas twice. They're going to be here for, the Lone Star Le Mans with the World Endurance Championship. And they're also going to be at the Formula One weekend. So this is really, really an amazing series that we get to see here at Circuit of the Americas. And these are uh, these are open-wheel cars. They're, they're pretty much entry-level open-wheel cars. They're kind of the, the same kind of cars you'd see at, like, Skip Barber, uh, right. those kinds of places. Exactly. And, 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 you know, we've got a fleet of them right here at Circuit of the Americas. And uh, so you're going to get a chance to see those. In fact, those will be sticking around long after this race. So uh, definitely stick around for that. Great car, though. Exactly everything you said. These cars are limited to uh, between 1.6 and 2.0 liters. Uh, the smaller displacement, getting the advantage of turbos added to them. But uh, already we've seen them out playing, and they are uh, pretty wickedly fast. Definitely you know, a good place to get your competition feed under you and get things rolling with it. I'm really excited to see the lap times on these because, you know, they're open-wheel cars. I'm wondering if they're going to be, let's say, as fast as a MotoGP bike, faster maybe? I don't know. Well, I asked, and I just got a sly grin and kind of yeah. d- d- indicating I wasn't going to get an answer. We'll find out soon. All right, well, we're going to play the first interview we did. We did it in a podcast with this young Texan, Jacob Loomis. I think he's from Carthage, Texas, and he's 17 years old. And so I want to play this interview with him, and and uh, and then right after that, we're going to go to break, and we're going to have the leader in this series, Kyle Kirkwood, live. But let's hear from Texan Jacob Lewis right now. Okay, Speed City fans, I want to welcome to the show a youngster from Texas. I'm delighted to welcome a single-seater young aspiring Texan who is coming to the Circuit of the Americas and racing in Formula 4. His name is Jacob Loomis and he's from Corinth in Texas and I'm delighted. 17 years of age and got a classic way to get into single-seaters from carts. Um, Welcome to Speed City, uh, Jacob. We're really excited that you uh, are coming and uh, it sounds like a bunch of other Texans coming as part of the F4 for the first time here at Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it's going to be an exciting race. Yeah, like you said, there's going to be quite a few Texans coming down for uh, basically our hometown event, so it should be good. 
Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you get into racing? I mean, I know you've been racing since you were five. It's always funny when you meet a 17-year-old, you think they just started. But you, you've pretty much been doing this most of your life, right? Yeah, I have. I, uh, I basically started uh, when I was five in a, in a go-kart at our uh, local track. My dad kind of got me into it, and since then I've been hooked. Well, it must be... I mean, I know you've actually raced at the Circuit of the Americas, so it must be so exciting to go to a world-class Formula One track, having started, you know, in the basics, as it were, in karting. I mean, how much of a thrill was that? Tell me about your first experience at, at Coda. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great track, great facility. Everything about it's really nice. Uh, the track flows really well. And uh, I think it's going to be really good close racing. And um, my first event there, I, I got to race a, a Porsche and an endurance race, so... Um, it was really good to, to get to learn the track beforehand and uh, really feel out, uh, you know, how it is and how difficult it is. And uh, I think it was good to get experience beforehand. Well, you, you, you ripped up the track. You went from, what, 80th to 5th in the back two hours or something? <laughs> yeah, I started in the very back. Uh, it was basically you, uh, whoever showed up to the grid first uh, got to start first. And so we ended up starting in the back and just had a little fun with that. Uh, it, was, it started raining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it started raining towards the end of my stint, so uh, that's when I gained uh, quite a few positions on a lot of people. I uh, had pretty good rain experience going into that. But yeah, pretty much started in the back of 80 car field and made my way up to fifth, so that, that, that was really well. Jacob, we've had all sorts of different drivers on the show, uh, from Alex Rossi to, to Elio Castro Neves. We had Joseph uh, Newgarten uh, on yesterday. I'm always fascinated to know how drivers get. Uh, you know, up the ladder through through their careers. So you mentioned that you started in karting. So what was the next step for you? So I uh, I, I did karting for quite a while. Once I turned 15, I uh, got the opportunity to test in uh, what's called a Formula Mazda. And it's more of a, a club-level car for uh, club racers, and it's kind of an entry-level uh, Formula car. Basically, we did that. It was uh, it was really good on the on the budget standpoint. Uh, it was something we could afford, and uh, it was a it was a really good experience. I got to meet a lot of good people doing that, and um, that's that's kind of how I got a lot of my funding to uh, do the F four US Championship. And tell me about that. What uh, for those who don't know, I, I'm familiar with the F four car, and in fact, we've got some at the Circuit of the Americas that they're just uh, making into a race school. So, tell us about the car and what's what's special about it. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's a pretty basic car as, as a Formula car. It's uh, it's got paddle shifters, um, pretty good. You can kind of feel the aerodynamics working with you. Um, it, it's pretty quick for for a lower level. Uh, formula car and it's it's great for kids like me that are that are just getting into it and uh and getting how to feel how a setup works and it's it's pretty easy to drive so that's that also helps as well very awesome very excited to have a texan racing in this this yeah, formula four championship young drivers <laughs> the ladder to formula one and other open wheels going to be really awesome absolutely and this is like uh 15 years old and up uh, something about that age range so uh it's a great place for the american kids to get into the open wheel cars and be competitive and cut their teeth right. All right, and we're going to continue the F4 World Championship, uh, United States Championship discussion right after the break because we have the leader in the championship, Kyle Kirkwood, next up after these short messages.
Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Texas weather can change on a dime. Flash flooding is expected to begin shortly. When the weather turns severe, turn to us for what you need to know. On air and online at talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Jay Leno from jaylenosgarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Thank you, Jay Leno. We've been talking about young Americans racing around the globe and how everybody's doing so well, and we're really excited about this this championship, this F4 championship that's that's being organized around the world and, and by FIA and with the, the United States version of this coming to Dakota twice, once in the World Endurance Championship for the Lone Star Le Mans weekend and then again during Formula One weekend. And these young kids have got to be out of their minds about racing the same weekend as Formula One. And we have one of those young gentlemen right now. In fact, we have the guy who's leading the championship right now live. Boom. We have Kyle Kirkwood. Kyle, welcome to Speed City. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Well, we are so excited to have you because this series is awesome, and the fact that you're leading the championship, that's great. Well, just tell us about your season so far. Well, I mean, this season I had a, a bit of a downfall in the beginning of the season. I came into the event with a bunch of penalties, and um, – it was always me just trying to fight back from, from mid-pack or further than mid-pack. We actually had an engine go on us in the very first race, so we were just fighting back, and then we went to Indianapolis. We knew we'd have a fast car there, and we ended up sweeping that whole weekend. Went into the next race at Mossport, and that race was also just amazing. And uh, we slept that also, but that was uh, a little bit more tough because we had uh, Dakota Dickerson right there with us because he came from the USF 2000 championship series and twist over to the F4 because they have such a great field in it. Well, I, I'm really excited to have you here at Coda. I know you've been here at least once before for sure, I know, but how much experience do you have at Coda? Well, I've been there, like you said, once. Um, with the Chris Griffiths test, and I had one day around there, both in the wet and in the dry. So um, Ooh, that's cool. I'm pretty prepared. Going, yeah, so I'm pretty prepared going into the, I think, into the two rounds. So I'm familiar with the track. I understand the grip level and uh, how intense the track is. And there's obviously tons of passing opportunities. So uh, I think I'll definitely utilize that one test that I have um, going into the rounds. 
Well, I was out there for that testing, and one of the things I'll tell you that has changed, it's not quite as smooth as yeah. it used to be. It's getting its character bumps to it now, but uh, it is still flying. It, the asphalt has definitely been seasoned, and we're having a load of cars out there. In fact, we've got some F4s that are stationed here now, so... Uh, Definitely yeah. starting to come around. We're anxious to see lap times because I was down in the garage trying to prod for some lap times. And uh, the folks with the F4 just kind of smile at me and <laughs> act like they don't understand what I just said. <laughs> well, well, Kyle, right. I got to ask you, uh, why don't you give us your take on this championship? I mean, especially from your perspective as a young, what are you, 18 years old, as a youngster trying to get into form, uh, open wheel racing. Talk about the championship and what your particular aspirations are. Well, for me, my aspirations are to go to IndyCar. I think for anyone that's running here in the U.S., that that's the true goal as an open-wheel driver. If, um, For instance, if you're moving over to Europe or something, obviously the goal is F1. But um, for here, it's not very obtainable to try and go to F1 if you're only running in America because there's only one American team here, and I don't think they're even based out of America. And um, But... Overall, with the championship, the F4 championship, I think it's great. I mean, it's only the second year, and we're, we had 33 cars at the first event. So the, the series is doing amazing. Um, they're trying to bring out an F3 car, I know. There's uh, been some talk about um, when it's going to be showcased. I think it was supposed to be showcased at the last round, but uh, it got pushed back. I think they're doing testing with it now. Um, I'm not too sure, but uh, they're trying to make a ladder system just like the Mazda Road that Indy has. But uh, except for Honda. Well, that's that's really exciting. I love the fact that this seems to be really well organized around the globe, too, of course, and teaming up with the FIA. And I, I love the fact that there is these there, there's these different types of opportunities. Yeah, you mentioned the Mazda Road to Indy. That's fantastic. But there are other opportunities like this. I love it that you, that you guys have choices. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's definitely um and, I mean, I talked to both the Honda guys and the Mazda guys, and they both say, yeah, we need each other to compete because, I mean, the more the merrier because then we have more people in the sport. The sport's getting more recognition. The lower levels are getting more recognition, and that's just going to help us out in the long run or everyone in the long run. Well, I know that, uh, you know, F4 in its current reiteration kind of was uh, helped along with SCCA uh, a couple of years back in where – they came together, SCCA, I've played in those events, and it's a it's a great formidable ladder to help you get places. And now with F4 teaming together as it has, it's a true ladder. I mean, do you agree that you can see where you're going next and how you're going to go to Indy or if you want to go clear to... clear path, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I think that's what was needed. Uh, do you agree that's what's there now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're, Honda's definitely pushed to put a good ladder system together. Obviously, Mazda already has it, but um, it's really clearing up. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely starting to form a true ladder system to, into IndyCar. So, Kyle, why don't you tell us about the cars? I mean, obviously, we're, we've talked, we've touched on the fact they're formula cars, they're open wheel. But tell us about the cars specifically. I mean, anybody that's considering, uh, young drivers considering doing this, they're, they're, and, I, and old guys like us, we're fascinated with the hardware, too. Right, yeah, the car itself is pretty easy to drive. It's a great learner's car. Um, it's very, it's very um, responsive, and it's a, it's got a lot like a go kart feel. So it's a great stepping stone to just come out of karts into that. That's why you see so many karting drivers. And um, yeah, I mean, overall, it's a great car. It's got low horsepower, so it's not like you can do anything where you're gonna 
end off into the wall or spin out or anything like that. So it's uh, easy to catch. But um, overall, yeah, it's an amazing car, I think. Well, also, I definitely want to talk about some of your history. I mean, you're obviously leading this championship and doing well, but you've got some pretty amazing accomplishments. I know the, the 2016 Team USA scholarship winner, that is a huge deal. And that, uh, th- that's a, that says amazing things about you. But also, uh, you've done the F-1600. You've done uh, that, like we mentioned, the Mazda Road to Indy Test. Skip Barber Series, two wins, and tons of karting highlights. So, I mean, do you feel like that that this is the right place for you at the right time uh for sure i i mean i don't agree disagree with that at all i think um right where i'm at right now is the best place i could be i mean obviously the team usa scholarship last year helped me immensely with driving and everything that all the marketing everything like that is it's uh that's truly helped me a lot because when we were over there we ran the walter hayes trophy at Silverstone, and there was 126 cars there racing in the Formula Ford um, category. So, I mean, you can just imagine there's cars going everywhere, but they're, everyone's under control, and you just really had to figure out how to maneuver yourself through those packs of cars and end up out front, which uh, I think I did a pretty good job at because I had to come all the way from the back in at, at the, one of the heat races and and through the LCQ, the Constellation race and everything like that because I had a I had a crash in one of the heat races. So the Team USA scholarships really helped me out a lot to get where I'm at right now. Well, what about you guys? I'm thinking about, I think we mentioned this coming out of the break, but uh, all you young guys, 17, 16, 17, 18 years old, you're going to be there at the both weekends here in Austin. And, and these are the final two weekends, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So you're going to be there with the World Endurance Championship, some of the just most incredible drivers in the world. And then the the next race at Formula One, I mean, that's got to just blow your mind that you're going to be there on those weekends. Yeah, oh, yeah, it definitely is. Because, I mean, just for me to go to the event <laughs> is, I mean, just out of this world. But to actually race and be one of the, I don't know, maybe 100 drivers that are there at the F1 race is going to be absolutely insane for me and all the other drivers in the F4 category. And then also with the WEC, I mean, that's going to be that's going to be also amazing. I mean, I think you guys got maybe I've heard numbers about a half million people there during the F1 race. I'm not sure if that was true or not, but I mean, that's I mean, seeing a half million people at a racing event is just going to be out of this world. Yeah, it's uh Depending on how you count them, it's it's a lot of people, two to 300,000 people easily. Well, I think it's going to be great for the audience, for one, getting to see, you know, these guys coming up. But I think it's a great place to have these drivers in front of potential team owners and folks that are looking out for the next generation going, hey, do you see that kid? Yeah. <laughs> and and you know what, right. Kyle, I got to tell you that uh, I guarantee you're going to have opportunities to meet. I don't know about Formula One drivers, but you might. But you're going to have the opportunity to meet a lot of these drivers. And I know for a fact, I've seen them. They, when there's young drivers around, they love to come talk to you guys because obviously they've been there, done that. And so you're, I'm certain you'll have the opportunity. So let me ask you this. Out of those two weekends, if you could meet any driver, who would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Pro- probably for me, Lewis Hamilton. I <laughs> definitely have to say. I mean, I mean that's very stereotypical, but definitely one of one of the people that I definitely look up to. 
Yeah, I don't blame you for that answer at Not all. Not a bit. <laughs> I don't blame you. We've we've t- we've got to see and talk to Lewis Hamilton in the past. We got to interview him a couple yeah. of years back. Well, last year too, but uh, yeah. yeah, Les got to interview him over the phone. But we interviewed him in person in the paddock, and uh, he's actually a really nice guy. So hey, uh, it, let me just give you something cool to think about. <laughs> So uh, I'm not going to be there midweek of the Formula One race, but uh, Lewis and I are going off to do something that oh, is going to be yeah. very cool. Yeah, that's right. And you're going to get to see video of it. So uh, y'all <laughs> just hang out. This is, this is something I'm sure you'd want to do, too. Well, Kyle, let me ask you this. So we've just got about a minute left here. So um, talk about the weekend from your perspective, like what you're doing to prep for, the, for each one of these weekends and what you do to get prepared and, and, and be thinking about the championship. Well, yeah, for me, I think it's totally a mental game that you have to be mentally prepared. You have to be in a sane form before you go into events. So it's always me just trying to relax. I I go to the gym every morning. I always keep myself prepared and waking up at the same time that I'm going to wake up at one of the events so I'm not tired during the whole day. But um, for me, it's just eating, being prepared, um, working out, and, I mean, the whole nine yards and making sure I've uh, got everything set up for the weekend. Well, we're really excited for you, and we're so excited to have this championship coming to Austin two times, and we want to wish you the best of luck, and, of course, we'll catch up with you on, on both of those weekends. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right, Kyle you Kirkwood, you're welcome. Uh, when you get back to Austin, we'll, we'll look you up. All right, sounds good. All right, guys, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue the theme of young American drivers with a gentleman who's already had a huge amount of success, Gustavo Menezes. That guy. That guy. After the break, listen to Speed City, live from Austin. Back after these messages. The racetrack. It's where legends are born. Where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin, and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles, whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey, because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Talk 1370.
Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Well, to continue with our theme of successful young American drivers and riders, this next gentleman that we have this interview with, Gustavo Menezes, uh, Jonathan Green just caught up with him about an hour ago, and we did this interview. But he is definitely one of the brightest American talents in an international motorsport. Absolutely. He's been, uh, he started karting at like five years old, a fast track to Europe. He, he was, uh, he's raced karts from 01 to 10. He graduated into single seaters in the uh, Formula Renault and the Star Mazda. And we followed him. He's been on the show many times, but we're really excited. So let's go ahead and play this interview with Gustavo Menezes. Okay, Speed City fans, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show Gustavo Menezes, who is, of course, already a world champion in the World Endurance Championship and is fighting to defend that title this year. But uh, it's been a tough, it always is, the defense of a title is tough. Gustavo, welcome to Speed City. First and foremost, you've got a bit of a break at the moment um, between the last race in Europe and, of course, next race is Mexico. Hey, Jonathan. First of all, thanks again for having me. I always love coming on the show with you guys at Speed City. We always have a great time. Yeah, it's been an interesting year, obviously, coming off a world championship victory. Defending uh, a championship title is never easy, but um, it's always a great time in the World Endurance Championship. The championship is incredible, you know, and uh, we really enjoy the circuits and and the environment at the track. So um, we had the first four rounds, including Le Mans, which are all European rounds. And now I'm very excited to see um, WEC coming back to the America rounds, um, having Mexico City up next and, uh, and Austin, obviously, a six-week break is a—it's uh, a very long time for a driver. It drives you a little bit mad, but at the same time, it's very good for us. So, um, slowly building back into the rhythm and getting ready for the next race. I was going to say, what do you do for six weeks? Because I suppose you—I you guess you could do simulations, but what do you—what do you do for training? Uh, you pull your hair out and uh, scream a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, to be honest, I've been—I've been working really hard. I had a week off um, after the race in Germany, in Italy, and then I came home and I've been working a lot with Red Bull. Um, they have an athlete performance center here, so they've been training me two times a day. I've been in the simulator once a week, just dialing down and, uh, and keeping myself, keeping my head down and working hard so that, uh, when we get to Mexico ready, um, I'll probably be doing that for another week. And then I'm going to take a small holiday, um, and go actually go down to the Caribbean before heading over to Mexico and, and have some fun on the beach and, and stay active and, and enjoy a good time. That's what the summer break's for. It's the time for everyone to kind of get their head screwed on, have a good time, and then get back to racing uh, feeling fresh. Well, tell me more about that Red Bull uh, Performance Center, because I keep hearing about it from different athletes in different uh, walks of life, motorcycle riders. I, I was talking to some of the, the Global Rallycross guys uh, in the Red Bull Global Rallycross that they talked about it too. And I've also talked to Bradley Smith about it um, in MotoGP. So what, what do you get up to uh, on that? What, what do they teach you or what do they uh, put you through in terms of performance? Yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting. It's you know, for us athletes at, at Red Bull, we're very fortunate to have something like that. Especially me, because there's only two two of these centers uh, worldwide that I believe. One is in Austria, and one is in Santa Monica, which is about four kilometers from my house. So fortunately for me, I get to go there every single day. Um, it's basically a high performance gym that has every tech gizmo and science uh, project out there. You know, everything from doing VO2 max exams lactate threshold we have cryotherapy isolation chambers um we have a physio three times a week um so they uh they do a lot of testing with us to start off and then they kind of put us on a program that's that's best suited for our sport and our physical levels you know for example if someone's better at aerobic workouts they'll work harder on their anaerobic side to to improve their overall fitness 
Um, we also have a sim there. So at the same time, I've been going in twice a day and doing fitness training and maybe once a week I'll drive on the sim and just drive the tracks that we have coming up. So it's, it's good because, you know, a fit driver is a happy driver. And when you're doing well and you're in a good rhythm, you're happy when you're happy, you're doing your best. So, um, it's a great environment and you kind of, you get to work with other athletes, have some friendly competition and, and meet a lot of people. So it's a good circle. It's a good family and, uh, really enjoy having it. Well, Gustavo, you're already an American world champion, and that was great news last year. But I know that you've, you're working on a backup career in scootering. I saw you out there on Venice Beach uh, in a video. Um, is, that, is, that the, is that the plan, you know, see if you can get that left foot going and a few 180s? Yeah, you know, my friend Dakota challenged me. And uh, when, you're a, when you're a top-level athlete, you can't deny a challenge. So he, uh, <laughs> he, I told him to hold my cappuccino um, and showed them that I could totally whip out a 180. Um, that's about as far as I've gone in my scooter career before I retired. Um, <laughs> I think focusing on racing is a better is a better deal for me. So we're gonna we're gonna stick to that. Get to go um, wear a sombrero hopefully on a podium, and then get to go to Texas, which is a incredible place. I always love Austin, and I'm so excited to get back to that city. You know, I have a lot of friends there. Um, I have a lot of great memories there. We won there last year, so hopefully we can do something similar this year. Yeah, of course. Obviously, Mexico coming up September 3rd and the 16th of September is the Lone Star Le Mans hat. Coda, uh, we're looking forward to having our world champion back with us. What about the season? Like we said at the start, you've, you're defending your title, but it's never easy. How has the season gone? And I know you've got a, a slight change for Mexico. Yeah, um, the season's been very tough. Obviously, the LMP2 class is as strong as it's ever been um, with more teams and a, and a much faster car. I've really enjoyed driving the car, and I feel like my performance has uh, improved from last year to this year. But um, the new car has asked a lot of toll on the silver drivers, obviously, um, because of the higher speeds and the, the more amount of grip, the, the, the speed we have to carry in the corners makes it very difficult for their confidence levels. So there's a lot more stress on the silvers. They're the ones that win and lose the race in a pro-run class. Um, and Matt did a great job. Um, unfortunately, we had a little bit of a change in lineup. But um, at the same time, I'm very confident that we're going to be in a great place for the second half of the season. We have Andre Negrel stepping in from the 35 car to the 36. Um, we've known each other for a few years, and we're both part Brazilian. So um, feels like we got a little bit of a Brazilian mafia going on in the team, you know, teaching, teaching the French pit, uh, people some Portuguese. So I'm looking forward to Mexico and seeing what we do with the new lineup. I think everything's going very well in WAC. Now we... Uh, we have to see what's coming in the future for the prototype classes. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting... I was wondering where you, you're going to position yourself because now with Porsche pulling out, the face of, of the sport is changing uh, and it may be positive and you might be in the right place at the right time now because obviously sports car racing is just going from strength to strength. Um, but there's going to be a lot of change over the next few years, yeah? Yeah, I think in the next few weeks even, we're going to hear a lot of news. You know, obviously the ACO and the FIA have to make decisions. Toyota's going to make a decision of where we're going to go um, and what direction. But uh, I have a feeling that, you know, WEC has built itself up to an incredible championship, one of the, the most highly respected sports car championships in the world. And I know that there's a, there's always a plan to keep things rolling there. I see a good future for WEC, and I, I believe the competition level will stay strong. I'm just curious to see what's going to be the top of the, of the chain, you know, what's going to be the head. Is it going to be P1 hybrids? Is it going to be P1? That's something that we'll all have to see in the next uh, coming months. 
Well, Gustavo, it's great. We, as you know, on Speed City, we've always followed, you know, the likes of yourself and Santino Ferrucci and, and the young up-and-coming Americans. We followed Rossi before anybody really heard of him. Um, and so, you know, you haven't raced, like a lot of Americans, a lot of time in the U.S. You started in karting. You kind of had a classic route to it. We met, I know, back in, in Formula 3 days. But you've been pedaling for a while now. Um, but it must be nice to come home as a world champion and also uh, with your future so far ahead of you, you've got so much time. I mean, you know, you're barely, you're barely in your 20s, but, um, you know, you've already achieved a lot in a, in a short space of time. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, obviously we achieved the world championship, um, first American in 35 years. I was probably one of the youngest Americans to win them all. Um, you know, it's, it's things that'll never, that'll never leave, but, um, I have to say I love coming back to California and being home. It doesn't get better than this for me. And um, I hope to be in a championship like WEC for a long time. You know, the hunger doesn't leave. Um, I think ambitions may change, but the only ambitions I have right now is to do my best every single time I'm in the car and, um, and give the teams everything I've got. And if I can do that, then I'm happy. Well, i got two questions for you. One, not a lot of people know this, but you used to be teammates with Max Verstappen. How do you think your old buddy's doing in Formula One? And my second question is, Fernando Alonso, what would you do if you were him next year? Oh, it's tough. Both of those questions <laughs> are tough, obviously. Um, Max is a good guy, and uh, and we go way back, obviously. We bang heads uh, on track, but, but he's a fun kid to be around, and I think that he has a very, very bright future in Formula 1. Through high or low, I think he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna come up on the on the higher end of the stick. Um, he does deserve it with the talent he has, and he has so much time. So um, I'm excited to see where he goes. And um, as for Alonso, I mean, it's it's very tough where he's at, you know, because with P1 going down, it kind of takes away the opportunity for him to go to Porsche. Um, IndyCar is IndyCar, and he might have enjoyed the 500, but IndyCar is still say what you want at a rocky point where it's not completely picked up its momentum yet. So it's, it's hard to leave the highest rated motors, form of motorsport in the world to go to IndyCar. I mean, um, at, at the moment, you almost just want to sit there and, and do your best and hope that you can ride out this curve of Honda, um, Honda's performance. You know, I think they've got a few other teams interested, um, allowing them to hopefully have some, some resource to improve with more teams. But it's, um, it's a really difficult spot. I have always had this thing that I've said to myself, and that's that um, I will race until the day it doesn't make me happy anymore. Yeah. And if I'm not happy, then I'm just going to stop. So um, that's really a big question for Fernando. If, uh, if, he's, if he's ready to stop driving, then uh, he deserves to, to do what he chooses. But if not, then he should keep riding in there and hold on tight. Well, you know, as you know, he said he wants to come and win Le Mans. So maybe you could show him around a little on that one because you've done it. I would not mind at all. I wouldn't mind sharing a car with him either. He seems like a great guy. Yeah. Well, listen, we're looking forward to you um, or watching you in Mexico and seeing you at the Circuit of the Americas. We've also got um, F4 and um, F uh, Formula V8 coming. So uh, if you want to come and join us in the booth and give your thoughts on some single-seater racing because you know all about it. Uh, but we've got some young Americans coming up. So we're excited to have you back, and I'm sure you're excited to come back to where you won last year, which is, of course, Coda. We'll enjoy being there, and I can't wait to see all the fans and everyone out there. Well, thanks again for your time. Enjoy, enjoy your time off. Enjoy the Caribbean, and we'll see you with that sombrero, sombrero hopefully, in Mexico. All right. See you guys soon. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks, Gustavo.
What a nice way to cap off our Young Americans show today with really one of the most successful Young Americans out there right now. Hey, you know what I think is this Formula 4 series, having it build, it's building steam, it's got good direction now. I think the American upcoming drivers now have a place that they don't uproot their entire family as, as so many have done to go to Europe to get this experience. It's right here now on a truly competitive, something beyond the, the Mazda Formula Mazda, which which is a great series. It's what we could have had, and it's what what we had is as, as good as we could get. But now we've got the Formula Four out there, and I think this is uh, just about ripe for the picking. Yeah, well, it, I was it, there's several interesting things in that interview, man. I'm I'm really interested. You know, what we need to do we need to call up our buddy Andrew Craig, who's the North American representative for the FIA World Endurance Championship, and we need to get him on the show. Andrew, if you're listening, expect a call or an email because we're going to get you on the show to talk about. What's next for FIAWC? Because we know it's going to be awesome. I mean, it's like Gustavo just said, his confidence is high. Uh, I know with Porsche dropping out, with Toyota being the only one scheduled for 2018, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But uh, it's been it's a really well run series, and I want to see what happens. But a couple of quicks, we've just got a, a few seconds left. I want to give a shout out to the guys at More Speed because they had a fantastic oh, weekend. What a big time! Yeah, Corey Fergus, flag to flag victory at Road America, and so uh, congratulations, guys. And you know, Les, uh, speaking of Austin and stories, wasn't it great to hear Greg Gill from the Pirelli World Challenge talk about moving to Austin? On the way over here, I saw a, a Mustang with. All sorts of Coda tra- stickers on track it. Track day and, sticks. And yep. I think Austin is becoming a race city. It's going to take a long time. We're, we're no indie yet, but uh, it's really exciting to see all this. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Definitely getting things rolling around here. All right, guys. Well, we got to wrap, wrap it up. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We appreciate it. And check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. Lots of content. New podcasts every week. Talk to you soon. Ciao, y'all. Hi, this is Gordon Deal. Join me weekdays for This Morning, America's First News. Hear the stories you'll be talking about and searching for all day as we go beyond the headlines and above the chatter. Weekdays at 5 on Talk 1370. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.